Nixon must have bought your body from the pawn shop. Yeah, and that electric guitar. Remember what the Dormouse said. Feed your head. I'm meeting you halfway, you stupid hippies. Hello, and welcome to yet another Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. Another one. Another episode. We're still doing this thing. We are. Uh, people aren't sick of us yet. That was a bad intro. Anyway, I'm Joe, and with me today is Nick. Do we ever have good intros? No, we're not good. So you can't say that. I I almost feel like Do we have a our age? intro is based on my awkward introduction all the way back on episode one. And it I didn't stayed the I same. did not want to change it. So here we are over a year later and I'm still saying the same dumb shit. Anyway. How have you been? Oh, great. Sore most of the time. <laughs> um other than that, I feel good. Not bad. I have spent the majority of today getting yelled at online by fans of PragerU. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you sent me the link while I was at work. Because I was having a shitty day. <laughs> and then I saw that, and you know what? Bumped it up. Uh, for people who are not extremely extremely online like myself, um, I got bored and made a t-shirt, which I said I was going to make a long time ago that just said, fuck PragerU, um, because you know, fuck those guys. Right. Uh, and then they retweeted it, <laughs> and all they attempted to like publicly shame me, and what I didn't... And well, I guess what they didn't expect to happen was a, a lot of people follow them because how much they hate them. Yeah. So they got ratioed pretty hard. And it also drove up shirt sales uh, quite a bit. Uh, within Which also, now I know I could break out the whole fuck you Kasabian one. Oh, uh, yeah. That was that also very popular. Yes. Uh, one I made of- that in a mall about it year ago so now i could break that out <laughs> one of their fans made a really bad photoshop picture that said fuck joe kasabian and a lot of people wanted to buy it <laughs> and it's not for like his sake it's for us now i'm gonna wear that's it. awesome i'm gonna wear it to my next book signing um so we ended up selling 60 dollars uh worth of merch in about an hour solid so uh i realized that I had to use my my powers for good, um, and I donated all of the money we made from the Prager U shirt to With great uh, power comes great responsibility. To uh, Means TV, uh, Means TV is a is a new platform, and it's a, a like a worker owned YouTube. Um, so it's not like soulless tech douchebags crushing their workers. Also, they have way more power to fight Prager U than we do, and I hate them. So, and I also knew that Prager U hated hates means tv so i think they would hate it more if i gave them money (laughs) i hope a youtube video comes out about lions led by donkeys uh debate me you cowards if any that'd (laughs) be great i want to have these people come on a stage with me and i'm not going to debate them i'm just going to tell them to go fuck themselves they get frustrated and walk away (laughs) (laughs) anytime they try to talk hey 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 buddy how don't you go fuck yourself have you tried fucking yourself lately uh and until security escorts me out because I'm making a scene, you know, like any family function I've ever been to. Yes. Anyway, the episode that brings us here today. Which I still don't know. I kept Nick in the dark on this one. Is I think uh, it would, his reactions would be just so much better. So you know how I said last week we'd be done talking about the Soviet Union? I knew you were lying. We're not. And it's not yeah. my fault. So I posted a... a uh, 
vote on our Patreon page, uh, and I let people pick a palate cleanser from our seven-part series, which uh, just got finished airing. Mm-hmm. One ended up being a little bit more of a palate cleanser than the other, and one in a landslide vote. <laughs> like, it wasn't even fucking close. And that is why I'm going to tell you the story today of how that one time Pepsi accidentally became a naval superpower. <laughs> what? They have fucking like tin cans in the water? Uh, not quite. Uh, so they would become... Like warships? Yes. <laughs> I hope it had the Pepsi logo on the side. Uh, kind Full of. Pepsi. Oh, this is sweet. I like this. Um, so... To get to that point, we have to uh, talk about Soviet and American politics during the Cold War, which I know is it has why. nothing to do with Pepsi. <laughs> this is horse shit. It's, this is you're it, roping it, me back in. It's the long con. I, I tried to get, I tried to be done with the Soviet Union for at least a couple months, but they pulled me back in, Nick. I think you did it yourself. I well, I did uh, propose the subject, so I, I got the assist. Fucking ass. I was the Ali to their oop. I think that's how that works, right? Just go on with your story. That was terrible. <laughs> So a lot of footwork went into the insane story that is the glorious Navy of the People's Republic of Pepsi. Um, and it starts all the way back in 1950, uh, at the death of, oh, sorry, the 1950s with the death of Soviet, uh, with Soviet leader Joseph Stalin and the rise of Nikita Khrushchev. He was a Pepsi man? I'm going to think Stalin was just the blood of other humans, man. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> he may have like just put people in a blender and drank them. Mm. Was it like a Pepsi-based pop? From my understanding, he drank a lot of water while thinking. So a story that I heard was that Joseph Stalin would make people like Nikita Khrushchev, who used to be a a close confidant of his, uh, and other people around him get belligerently drunk on vodka like he would force them to while he was sipping water while they thought that was also vodka. And then he would sit back and watch as they just made asses of themselves. He looked like a champ to them. Uh, I think at that point, um, Joseph Stalin was the friend they kept because they didn't want to die. Oh, very true. Yeah. Um, so when he died, uh, I'm not going to talk about the uh, the power politics at play of how Nikita Khrushchev became chairman, but he did. He ended up becoming in, uh, becoming in control of the Soviet Union. See, Stalin wasn't a huge fan of allowing Soviet citizens to travel abroad, and he definitely was not a fan of allowing citizens from the West to visit the Soviet Union. I don't know about you, but if there's one hot vacation spot in the world, it is Stalin era Soviet Union. You know, uh, of course, there's a lot of different reasons for why Stalin wanted to put this barrier in place. A lot of it was paranoia. The guy is a very, very paranoid man. Right. Um, if you let people leave, they can turn against you and never come back. Or uh, he was also worried that um, they'd just turn uh, turn to be spies or the people that they would come to vacation the Soviet Union would be spies. He got that um, when his cat ran out the front door and never came back. And, so that paranoia stuck with him. You know, it's it's funny because at one point the CIA, go ahead and hit the, hit the hip-hop yeah, sirens, yeah. Uh, attempted to make a listening device out of a cat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it got ran over. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, like, first mission, just, yes. all right, go mittens. Yeah, I think it was called Meow. Operation Acoustic Kitty. And I am not fucking lying about that name. <laughs> I wonder if it looked like shit. It was just like, that's a very nondescript cat with an antenna sticking out of its fucking forehead. Because this is like 19... 19- its ears look like antenna. Because it's like 1960s technology. Yeah. So just, its um, tail is the whip. <laughs> it's oh, a giant I'm whip. Static. I'm getting static. It's a giant whip antenna. Yeah. It's just, when its mouth opens up, it's just an American going, meow. Yeah. <laughs> meow. Comrade, did that cat sound a little funny to you? Meow. 
Nope, sounds normal. My cat sounds like that. That's not a Russian cat. And to be fair, there's a, a, a fair bit of, of realism behind some of Stalin's paranoia. Like if uh, a wave of people from the West came over to see the Soviet Union, they probably would have been a hefty amount of spies involved. Um, right. But Khrushchev was a very different man, or at least at first. Um, so one of the first things Khrushchev did was uh, launch the de-Stalinization of the Soviet Union. Uh, which included like denouncing him in in secret um, because of all the mass murder and cult of personality, which Khrushchev wasn't all about. Um, he not only wanted to liberalize the Soviet Union in a process known as the Khrushchev Thaw, but he also wanted Soviet uh, citizens to know they had it damn good. Uh, while they are not quite up to the West standards, he definitely believed that the Soviet Union could get them there in a short amount of time. He believed that the Soviets should show off their accomplishments to the world rather than hiding them behind an iron curtain. Uh, because he was Soviet premier, he still had to make it sound terrible, though. Uh, mm. Maybe it's because translations don't always work great. But in 1957, when the, when the Festival of the Youth and Students was held in Moscow, he told officials to, quote, smother foreign guests in our embrace. What? <laughs> Sounds like he's going to fucking murder him. Yeah, like he has a fucking pillow on standby. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it sounded very nice in Russian, but uh, might have. but in English it sounds like he's gonna smother us with a pillow, which again brings us back to our last series. God damn it! <laughs> Everybody's getting smothered with pillows. This is horse shit. Um, he also wanted Soviet mass tourism for the first time. Uh, so many people traveled to and from the USSR during this time, uh, and many people were fucking because that's what people do. They be fucking. Uh, this creates How does this take what? Uh, it, this it, matters? Yeah, it matters. Uh, it created something of an international baby boom. So there's like a lot <laughs> of non like full-blooded Soviet citizens now mm, in the Soviet okay. Union. Um, it, it was, people wanted to travel to the Soviet Union then, a lot of the same reasons why they wanted, well, there's a lot of cool places in the then Soviet Union. I mean, it encompasses half the goddamn world. Um, it's kind of like what people want to visit North Korea. Like it's oh, a it's a okay. novelty uh, yeah. it, because only a couple of years before you couldn't fucking go there. And I'm like, oh shit, I can go there. I gotta check this place out. Yeah, I gotta fuck there. Yeah, I, I gotta fuck. Yeah, I got um, a fuck list. You gotta fuck your way through the Soviet Union. I'm sure they <laughs> gotta probably hit, gotta hit, hit one in each Soviet Republic. Yeah. yeah, I think my grandpa played that game. Nice. <laughs> um, a bit of so a bit of a side note here. Um. This thaw would end in 1962, and this is important because Khrushchev is kind of a comical character. Um, an, a number of Soviet uh, officials and Khrushchev went to visit an art gallery being held by the Moscow's Artists Union, and uh, they had a lot of Advent Guard uh, type art there, the kind of Western inspired uh, type stuff. Mm, yes. Khrushchev hated it so much, he flew into a rage and called it dog shit and put the old limitations on uh, artist free speech back in place. <laughs> just for that <laughs> yes wow he threw a temper tantrum literally the only thing this guy was about was consumerism uh whenever he was uh confronted with any kind of western art or culture he fucking hated it <laughs> and like what a which, fucking hater dude. which it's fine it's totally with it like you're well within your rights to hate other people's shit but like he he always did it like he he never was like that's not that's not for me he's like it's dog shit yeah it's not for everybody <laughs> this now this fucking sucks you know, what else, you know who else hates it? Everybody in the Soviet Union now. <laughs> this probably dude in the back. I kind of liked it. I, I liked where his nose is on his shoulder. Against the wall! <laughs> yeah. um, 
the man wasn't exactly hip to new art forms. Uh, for example, when he heard jazz for the first time, he said, quote, I don't like jazz. It's as if I had gas on the stomach. He gas thought, on the stomach. He thought jazz was a fart. Uh, <laughs> he thought of jazz was a fart. I do like fart music. <laughs> uh, think of it this way. I want to dig up Nikita Khrushchev, put some, slap some headphones and some, some fucking AirPods in his ears, and make him review music. Like, if he thought jazz was a fart, I want to make him listen to, like, Takeshi 6 9 like, uh, or SoundCloud rappers or Nickelback. He's like, please put me back in the ground. What have I done to deserve this? Attach the headphones to maybe your asshole? No, he already said he doesn't like jazz. He might like that one. Let's get some bass. Um, then came the cultural exchanges. Now, there's a lot of reason that these happened. Um... This is when the Cold War was was just starting to thaw, and they wanted to bring the two cultures together, kind of. Kind at least, it, at least that's what they said on the surface. You always know there's more to it than this. It's Cold War politics. Yeah. Um, you know, if hypothetically you're less likely to hate a group of strangers if you get introduced to a couple of them. It's like even your racist friend in your family is like, oh no, you're one of the good ones. They wanted to do that with both like a whole country. That's not going to work like, <laughs> at all. It's not. It doesn't work with one they, person. It, it's the 50s. Things only get worse, uh, especially with, when Khrushchev is in charge. But, um, you know, so a lot of it wasn't diplomacy. And that, I know it's shocking a lot of people. It, it was a giant pissing contest between capitalism and communism. Uh, and thankfully, this pissing contest between the two didn't kill anybody, which is like the only time you can say that. Uh, furthermore, President Eisenhower actually wanted to show the Soviets the power of good old American consumerism in an attempt to get Khrushchev to keep up with them. Now, this is actually pretty, a pretty good idea. Um, so at the time, the Soviets were kicking America's ass in the space race. Sputnik has happened. Yeah. Um, their, their, their space program was much more advanced, meaning their rocket technology is much more advanced. Uh, later on, that ended up not being such the case, and it ended up being more of the case of like the Soviets didn't have a lot of safety regulations in place yeah. for its space program. I imagine there's a shit ton of people that aren't on the books that died. So there's a pretty big conspiracy theory about that, actually. Um, I believe in that shit. I kind of do. I'm not going to buy not, all the way I'm in. I'm not big into conspiracies, but I will definitely put some fucking two cents into that. I will say I, I buy into it being a possibility simply because somebody actually caught them doing it once. Um, so there was some kind of radio operator, satellite radio operator, I don't know, in Australia, I, I believe. Wasn't it Italy or some shit? Like Maybe that? it was Italy. I think you're right. It was somewhere like that. And the, he was listening to radio waves and yeah. caught someone screaming in pain as they entered the atmosphere uh, and translated out of Russian to English and it was them like cursing the fucking space program and everything else for abandoning him and shit like that before he died. Uh, and that, but uh, more details have opened up about that since that radio recording came out. And you can listen to that on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, actually. it's on YouTube. Uh, I think it's called like the Lost Cosmonaut or something like that. But uh, one of Yuri Gagarin, I believe, uh, was supposed to be on that flight. Uh, who happened to be the first man to orbit the Earth? Orbit the Earth. And um, the guy who got on the flight uh, instead 
was his friend and knew that the f- spaceship did not pass inspections and whoever was going to get on it was going to die. Ooh. And that's spicy news. Spoiler alert. He was 100% accurate about that and he died. And the even the okay, so this is way off topic, but uh even more depressing than that, they held a state funeral for what they found of him, which was like a couple fucking teeth and a lump of flesh. <laughs> You did you? Uh, you're probably picturing they put it in a casket, right? I'm picturing be, a shoebox. No, they put it on a fucking pedestal. There's a picture of it. Really? Yes. It's one of the more disturbing things I've That's seen. That's crazy. I honestly was picturing like a shoebox. It's like kind of in a box. Shoebox. Yeah, it's like up on a pedestal in a box, and everybody's like standing around, like, "Yep, that was him." <laughs> <laughs> they just found like his fucking chain and like a watch, <laughs> pair of mockbus. Yeah. <laughs> He always did love these shoes. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, back on topic. Um, so Eisenhower wanted to get Khrushchev to buy into this consumerism thing. Uh, because he knew Khrushchev told the Soviet people, like, we see how good they have it. We're going to get there. We're not far. We're going to get you there. The reason why is because he would have to divert resources away from their space program to do so. Because remember, the Soviets have a planned economy. They have to plan these things out. So he's like, if I make Khrushchev think that everybody wants a whole bunch of fucking toasters and shit, he can't build as many rockets. It kind of ended up being true. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I'll, I'll, I'll let you be the judge of who wins the Battle of the Wills there. Um. The first uh, cultural exposition came to New York City, and it was by the Soviet Union. It was something of a mini World's Fair. uh, Ooh, fun. That featured Soviet cultural displays like art and music, but the Soviets stuck to their guns around science and technology. Uh, For example, the main focal point was Sputnik, uh, which I had a mock-up of inside the the Expo Center. Yeah. but it also had tidbits to show Americans what a normal Soviet citizen uh, had and how they lived, uh, kind of bridge that cultural gap. For example, it had a mock-up three-room apartment in a quote-unquote normal Soviet kitchen. At the time, that was not normal. <laughs> Does everybody in the household wear Adidas sweatsuits? So that was yes. that apartment was something that like uh, Khrushchev. Um, wanted to build everywhere, and he did end up building a lot of them. Um, he he built a ton of apartments while he was. So in they charge. had like a little model home on display. It wasn't a model; it was a whole thing. Like, uh, they built a two scale three room apartment. Like things worked in it and everything. Wow! Uh, and of course, America being America, they'd one up them later. But we'll get to that. Um, we have four bedrooms. <laughs> there was even fashion shows and a. They flew in a passenger jet uh, to show off uh, a Soviet passenger jet. Like the no, like literally, no expense was was spared on this shit. It, like I said, it's a pissing contest. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's like um, well, I was going to say it's pretty much exactly like this. It's like the, not everybody in the Soviet Union is living like that, but much like the Americans' uh, exposition, not everybody in America was living like that either. Yeah. Um, but it it was like more of a, this is what we hope to be in a couple of years. Which, everything that's fair like just with me that everything about the cold war was a giant pissing contest everything no you're 100 percent right i mean yeah there's ideology involved but even the the ideology was a pissing contest yeah like, nobody like neither side stuck to their guns when it came to ideology it's like 
obviously America wasn't the land of the free and home of the brave because they were throwing people uh, out of their jobs and blacklisting them oh, for yeah. being members of the Communist Party. And in the Soviet Union, like people didn't have everything they wanted, um, even though they worked for the state. Their money was almost worthless, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, you know, you had to wait three years to get a car and shit like that. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It wasn't exactly a workers' paradise, right? Um, but that has way more to do with just a long chain of incompetent idiots being in charge, which unfortunately is like, you know, at least in America we have generally semi-free elections, so we can all band together as a country and make a mistake every four years when we decide who's in charge and are completely wrong by it. Yeah, Soviets didn't have that. Uh, it was all backroom politics and dealing, and uh, in Khrushchev's case. He just kind of outmaneuvered a couple people and ended up in charge. In Stalin's case, he shouldn't have been in charge. Like, Lenin wanted Trotsky in charge. Yeah. And Stalin just outmaneuvered him, then ice, ice axed him in the yeah. back of the head. So, like, yeah, it's... That's one way to do it. You can't exactly build a worker's paradise if you're just having a whole bunch of elites in the back room make choices for you. Like, that's how things are supposed to work. Having death matches and Just shit. like, uh, you know, you can't have a free and fair democracy if a whole bunch of billionaires are making choices for you. So they just resort to killing people in the third world <laughs> with billions of dollars of military technology, which is kind of how we built the basis of this show. Um, so hmm. it all comes full circle. Yes, it does. Uh, so the Soviets put out little guest books in front of the uh, the exhibits uh, to let people sign, like say, "Oh, thanks for coming by." You know, I'm so and so from wherever. And Americans filled those books with exactly what you'd imagine they'd fill ah, them yes. with. <laughs> the old dick. So that probably happened. Uh, I don't remember. This is the 50s, so they probably weren't like. Oh, they censored it. They, well, they probably weren't saying anything too horrible, but. Uh, the only thing that ever was released by them was released by the Soviet Union, uh, said, uh, there's a few of them, but the funniest one I think is quote, Soviet music is for the birds. If they'll have it. I'm really glad I don't live in a time where somebody considers that a burn. That's probably a hardcore burn back then. But, uh, the Soviets acknowledged that, uh, everything else written in them was so vulgar. They would never publish it. And they haven't. (laughs) I'd, I'd love to see it, honestly. I think there's a whole lot of, like, go fuck yourself reds and, you know, fuck communists and shit like that. And we're not exactly an imaginative people, especially That's in the 1950s. True. Um, And after that, it was the Americans turned to the exact same thing. They set up what was known as the American National Exhibition in Moscow. And they brought some heavy fucking hitters. Uh, corporations like IBM, RCA, Cadillac, Disney, Dixie Cups, and... Pepsi. Dixie Cups. Dixie Cups Incorporated. Which is a So a red I, solo cup <laughs> went over there and raised No, oh, okay. That's solo, sir. That is a different company, I think. My bad. Oh, it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> they wrote they literally wrote a whole song about it, Nick. It's fucking horseshit. The song or the expi- exhibition? No, the fact that Dixie was there. Oh, they had to serve the Pepsi in something. A fucking glass. <laughs> Spill it on your hands, lap it up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, like I said, Americans wanted to one-up their Soviet compatriots, and they built an entire full-size suburban home. What a bunch <laughs> of assholes. <laughs> uh, and it actually was, like, a manufactured home. Like, uh, it was originally built in New York in, like, large numbers. Like, well, oh, fuck it, we'll bring it to the Soviet Union, too. It was a real thing. I believe it. Um... It include, included cars, movies, art, music, a 360-degree cinematic experience uh, set up to play a movie about America, which 
That's probably a shitty movie. It's not probably good. Um, pots, pans, nylons, beauty kiosks, books, and an entire Buckminster Fuller designed geodesic dome inside. Jesus Christ! Inside which a film titled "Glimpse of the USA," produced by Disney, would play across several giant screens. Was there also a family living there for the time being? Uh, I no. Uh, but what they I feel did like there should have been. Uh, what they did have was um, several. Uh, several Russian-speaking American citizens, like college students, college grads, uh, that showed up um, to give people tours um, because not a lot of people in the Soviet Union spoke English. Right. So they had to, you know, so they had to have like little guided tours, and they were supposed to be there to uh, kind of like tell them about a day in the life of an American citizen. Again, bridge the gap. They I want to know what the day in the life is. Uh, whatever they said did not go over well. Um, so these college grads who showed up were pretty much only there to be like, yes, this is how my kitchen looks. This is how I I go to work at such and such days. So they were pretty much immediately peppered with questions, uh, that they were not prepared to answer. (laughs) Uh, things about racism, Jim Crow laws, (laughs) American imperialism, violent crime. What's the threat count on your silk linen? How come that guy can't drink out of the same water fountain as you? Oh, fuck. Next question. (laughs) Why did you invade South Korea? Next question. (laughs) Why are there military bases all over Western Europe? Guys, I I majored in philosophy. I'm not prepared to answer these questions. (laughs) Uh, they, They pretty much just tried to not answer them, which, I mean, there's no good way you're going to answer that. Does anybody have a question about the home? <laughs> Does anybody have a question about my stove? Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what I imagine would happen when um, a country that's been made, it's been incredibly demonized, and rightfully so for many of those reasons. Same thing with the Soviets, um, that you're going to ask about those questions. It's like the same thing, like, if, if we talk to somebody from, like, North Korea, like we're gonna want to know if your leaders really did feed his uncle the dogs, yeah. And you're really gonna be curious of why the cops are killing so many people, <laughs> like that, because that's what we hear about. Um, does he have an asshole? Does he poop? I heard he invented the hamburger. Solid. Yeah. Those are both things that they actually said. Uh, <laughs> um. So it also happened to be the first time the vast majority of the Soviet citizenry got the. Uh, the chance to taste a wonderful taste of Pepsi Cola. Now, pop or soda, depending on where you're from in the United Shut States, the fuck up. was not I fucking hate you. It <laughs> was God not really a, a common thing outside of North America and, and Western Europe. Uh, like carbonated beverages weren't a, a novelty quite yet in the Soviet Union. So it was the first time a lot of people were, were getting to see that. You're drinking kiva. <laughs> we normally just drink vodka and water. This is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the the Pepsi was totally free, and it really? was yeah, it was oh, wow. it was dispensed to anybody who sucks. walked by. Oh, okay. Now uh, they actually made it with two different kinds of water for reasons. They made uh, some out of American water that was brought with them, and some out of Russian water, which they made on site with Pepsi concentrate. For reasons that aren't entirely Did sure. The Russian water gets you fucked up or something? No, it was just one of those things like, look, Pepsi's the same everywhere. Uh, look, we're equal. But everybody said the Soviet one tasted better, which 
of course it didn't. Yeah. It's fucking Pepsi. You can't taste the quality of water in Pepsi. Yeah. Vodka, sure. I, mean, I don't like soda. No, I don't either. But honestly, I'd rather go for a Coke. Ah, you're a Coke man. Well, we're we're in the middle of the pep uh, the the Coke wars, the cola wars, which we don't talk about. They're involved. Oh yeah. Oh my God! They have a navy. Fuck no, 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 oh. no. They they didn't quite think about that, but we will talk about it. Uh, now, this being the uh, the first time a lot of people had this drink, it turns out it's a bit of an acquired taste. Um, Nikita Khrushchev's son said uh, people thought it smelled and tasted a bit like shoe polish. Which, going off the series we just did, yeah. meant people thought they were going to well, get drunk. <laughs> first of all, these fuckers are shoe polish sommeliers yeah, over there. Are. Yeah, they, they know are. exactly what's going on with their shoe polish. <laughs> this isn't the fucking vintage I Whoa. wanted. This was made in the northern side of the factories. <laughs> I didn't even have to scrape toast for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, it also should be noted that one of the pieces of art was a Jackson Pollock painting titled The Cathedral. Pretty much everybody hated it. Uh, <laughs> what did it look like? I don't know. It's a Jackson Pollock uh, painting, so it's it's a big mess. Um, oh, okay. It looks like uh, Jackson, all Jackson Pollock paintings look like the toilet bowl after a long mm. night of tacos and booze. After you're done poop raping your toilet. Oh, God. Never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> so before this episode, he called his toilet the butt sink. Yes. And that made me uncomfortable. That yes. just, that just, cr- you're a habitual line stepper, sir. You stepped over the line. So you're time. okay with butt sink now? If in, no. I'm not comfortable you with any of this. You never repaint the old butt sink? <laughs> I hate you. I wish I could hate you I don't to know. death. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so art and music aside, however, the American display was meant to show the Soviet citizens what it's like for a normal day, a normal everyday American at the time, uh, what they could own and afford. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's easy to pop up a whole bunch of the shit that like the 1% can own, like drive up in a Bugatti, but like, this is America. Like, fuck you, bitch. Or what? <laughs> yeah. My car is 500,000 miles on it and it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but like they wanted to show what an average American hypothetically could afford. And they, they did do that uh, to an extent. Now, obviously the average American isn't every American. There's yeah. a lot of people who are homeless even then. Um, this is kit the car. It can talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. This is a smart house. Even the air is touch screen. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> smart house. So there's a movie really off topic, but there's yeah. a movie on Disney channel. This oh, no. was back in the day. Remember when they used to come out with a movie every other week? Yes. So they had one, which is a smart house. I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's essentially what it is. It's a smart house. Does the house kill the family? It tries to. <laughs> on, on Disney Channel? <laughs> yeah. Fuck, Disney After Hours, bro. Dude, it's awesome. Soulscape. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I fucking love Disney Channel back then. So, um, oh, all right. So smart house. Another off topic. I remember they did a Simpsons episode making fun of Hal, and it had a, a smart house where you could pick the voices and what of the of the smart house, and one of them was Chandler Bing from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the house they built was uh, a production. Well, like I guess it was a reproduction, and it cost about fourteen thousand dollars back then, uh, which is decently affordable. So with inflation. That uh, that's about one hundred fifty thousand dollars in twenty nineteen in twenty nineteen bucks in twenty nineteen bucks yeah uh, which I have to admit it's 
pretty goddamn affordable. It's a good deal. Uh, so we are for people who are unaware of where we are based at. We we live in Washington State, and for one hundred fifty thousand uh. dollars, that won't even get you an old refrigerator box to live in, like previously used by another homeless guy. Yeah, like that that shit's gonna go for at least two hundred thousand and a down payment. That's pretty hefty. If you got a VA loan, you might be able to sneak in. Though. <laughs> <laughs> this have... corner's where I sleep. Yeah. This corner gets really wet. <laughs> this is all you got, really. You got two corners to work with. This is the moist corner. Yeah. You can take a shower. <laughs> God. And that's like, you might be able to get, so you might be able to get a used tent and a timeshare with a couple other people that smoke meth. And I wouldn't even trust that tent either. No, that tent's got dick holes in it. Oh, what? <laughs> uh, so along these displays um, were other things like uh, the fashion shows and, and, the, and the beauty chaos, which is funny because that was uh, specifically targeted towards Soviet women who only weeks before um, Khrushchev talked about uh, how women don't need beauty kiosks. Ah, uh, yes. Natural beauty. Yeah. Uh, turns out they were really fucking popular though. Like they all ran out of makeup. Really? Yeah, because they're. I mean, they're just all giving shit away for free. I mean, oh yeah, free's the best. Yeah, I don't I love. Free. I don't use makeup, but if I go to local fucking World's <laughs> Fair, I'm I like, this, this, this blush is how the, much? Yeah. Fuck, load me up. I'll take some fucking blush. <laughs> yeah. Does that max my skin tone? I don't know. <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> Sir, you 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 have to contour. Fuck you. It's free. I'll do what I want. <laughs> I look beautiful. <laughs> So the main draw of this whole exhibition was the incredibly popular American kitchen display. It fucking would be. Now, th- there's a reason for that. Uh, Soviet kitchens were the ce- central part of their display. Uh, like they show, because the, even though... Um, With their diverse, I don't know what they eat, to be honest. Uh, sadness. But That's uh, what I think. The um, So uh, a lot of uh, the Soviet propaganda involved like equality between men and women wasn't entirely true um there was still like there was still a housewife culture um mm. so that's okay. so they made a, a a very heavy lean towards their kitchen so america took that as a direct challenge it's like we'll check out our kitchen and admit and like if you look at pictures of it it seems to be a bit above average which i mean of course it was is it nicer than your kitchen now, no, um, oh, okay. because I don't have to worry about things randomly catching on fire because it's not 1950s. Um, I like so your kitchen. The well, thank you. Um, one of the people drawn to this kitchen display was none other than Soviet premier Nikita Khrushchev. Nice. What do you uh, like about it? Where he was met with none other than vice president and world-renowned asshole Richard Nixon. What? Yeah. This brings us to the famous kitchen debate. <laughs> Now, I know it sounds stupid, but this is kind of a weird, important part of history. That's awesome. Uh, that where Khrushchev and Nixon got in a bit of a yelling match. Um, now, the absolute weirdest thing about this debate is exactly what it's about. The, the debate is not about nukes. It's not about war. It's not about military possibilities or capabilities. Just so you know, here's part of the transcript. Nixon, I want to show you this kitchen. It's like one of our houses in California. Nixon points the dishwasher. <laughs> Khrushchev, we have such things. Nixon, this is our newest model. This is the kind that was built in thousands of units with uh, direct installations into the houses. In America, we like to make things easier for women. Khrushchev, your capitalistic <laughs> so attitudes towards sucky. women do not, do not occur under communism. Nixon, 
I think this attitude towards women is universal. What we want to do is make life more easier for our housewives. It kind of went on and on like that. Now, it gets weirder as Khrushchev insists that some things never need, never need to be replaced because Nixon points out that our houses are so cheap, if someone wants a new one, they could just buy a new one. Khrushchev decides that uh, uh, houses simply never need to be replaced. Because I know... They don't grow on trees. Yeah, because uh, uh, I know when I saw pictures of my great-great-grandfather's shack... Uh, oh, he had a shack. I, I wanted to move right into that motherfucker. <laughs> like, it was still good. I never had to move out of it. Yeah. Um, now, um, Nixon counters this with a wonderfully bad argument, saying that anyone in America can afford a house because we have extended mortgages. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, the thing that routinely oh. collapses the economy from time to time? <laughs> I thought they were going to debate something like, why use medium heat when you could use high? Why didn't you put a char on that? Yeah. Uh, that color sucks on with that countertop. It's that, so neutral. That backsplash is a goddamn war crime, Khrushchev, and you know it. In the Soviet Union, all backsplashes are equal. Fuck you. Uh, also, things get really weird because Nixon demands that Soviet citizens be given the opportunity to make their own choices regarding housing, ideas, and soup. 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 Soup's involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody wants cold soup because he's like, That's "What well, stoves are for?" Because he's like, you know, you can make your choice about anything, and he and and he ends with soup. And Khrushchev's like, "We can make choices about soup." <laughs> like that's the that's the fight you're gonna pick. We like cold soup, Nick. Oh, <laughs> I am not a soup crook. I can't do a Nixon impression. Neither can I. I just it, this whole episode is considered way more entertaining. If you imagine it's it's Nixon from Futurama and he's just yes. the head, <laughs> yes, <laughs> or Nixon with the giant robot body from it's a, an old Nixon also from Futurama. Futurama. Yeah. Yes, I'm picturing him while he's arguing, his pants are off for some reason. Uh, well, he I don't is, know why. they did call him Tricky Dick. Yeah, but everybody's telling him put your <laughs> pants back on. He's like, like just fucking going nuts. I'm sorry, I thought this was America, sir. You're <laughs> yeah. Moscow. Put your pants on. Um. Or we could talk about my favorite line of the whole thing, uh, which now it's going to sound funny. The soups weren't. No, no, because it is. But also it means something. It's kind of lost in translation. Khrushchev says, quote, I am a warrior for communism. You are a warrior for capitalism. Let's kiss. (laughs) Did they? No. Uh, Also, this whole time, uh, Khrushchev is wearing a white fedora. I I feel like I need to underline that. Why? Uh, What an asshole. So a lot of it had to do with... Khrushchev obviously coming to the conclusion of like this debate is meaningless because obviously neither one of us are going to change our minds. A fucking meme. <laughs> oh, Khrushchev is a walking meme, and yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that. But like, I'm hoping Nixon got confused. Like, so do I? Do I go ninety percent on this kiss, or is he going to go ninety percent? I feel like Nixon would go full tongue to the back. Of I the think throat. he'd go full hundred percent. Wouldn't give him a chance. He would definitely grab forward. his ass too. Nixon was a fucking weird guy. Yeah, uh, but. And to Khrushchev's credit, what he meant was, why are we even debating this is pointless? <laughs> now, Yeah, he, the kitchen? Yeah, I would imagine it's pointless. Well, debating in general. like you, you, The premier of the Soviet Union and the vice president of the United States are going to get in a debate. And Nixon said, like, I've suddenly seen the light of Marxism, sir. I'm going to well, move in. You could still have a good debate, but not over a kitchen. Well, it wasn't over a kitchen. It was in a kitchen. Holy fuck, I didn't know it was in a kitchen. It was in the kitchen display. I hope they... <laughs> now, like, that's even better. I, that's why I never understood the, the, the purpose of debating. I mean, like, unless it's like... Unless for, you do it in a kitchen. 
Well, well, if it's for like an election, I get it because it's 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 a competition of ideas, and then we get to pick the winner. Effectively, yeah. it's how our offices are all chosen badly. Um, but like, none of the Soviet citizens present listening to that weren't going to be like, "I want to pick my own soup." This, this Nixon guy has 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 a good fucking point. What is? I'm this? sick of eating Campbell's chunky. I want to try Progresso. Like the the like the it, it's pointless. It, it, it's exactly like. It's exactly like uh, all the times that like Ben Shapiro challenges people to debate. Ah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Except somehow I hate Richard Nixon less than I hate him, and he is a war criminal. <laughs> Maybe uh, it's because you have the future Futurama Nixon you grew up with. I am fond of that Richard Nixon because I love him. He's fucking hilarious. Yeah, he kind of made that show go around somehow. I he love did. that show. Uh, and so there's another part of this debate that Khrushchev was not aware he was walking into. Uh, now, he was being introduced to a lot of small nuances of American life. Uh, he hasn't seen the pantry yet. He was about to see another one. That is bold-faced, corrupt American hucksterism. Now, you see, Pepsi executive Donald Kendall had gone to the USSR to make sure his product's display went, out, went, out, went off without a hitch. But in doing so, he actually went against company policy. Pepsi, it turned out, wanted absolutely nothing to do with this whole thing. Really? And told him not to get involved. Uh, Kendall decided to fuck that, and he's going to do what he wanted anyway, which, I mean, big Kendall energy to you, but, like, I guess it's kind of ballsy. Um, now, there's a reason for that, though. Kendall wasn't just casting his fucking lot and seeing where it landed. He, he was a calculated guy. Um, he knew he would be in trouble, possibly even fired. Uh, if he went that whole time without getting uh, a single picture that he needed, and that was Nikita Khrushchev holding a glass of Pepsi. Now, you're probably asking, how the fuck was he going to get that to happen? Well, he ended up being very, very good friends with one Vice President Richard Nixon. Ha- okay, never mind. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> uh, and he asked for a favor. Uh, Nixon would ensure that he initiated his debate right next to the Pepsi display while Kendall would lay in wait. Now, there's a, re- there's a reason why everybody knew this was going to work. Whenever Khrushchev got upset, he had a tendency to fly off the handle and lose his temper when he got into debates. Uh, only a few years later, he became kind of famous for taking his shoe off and slamming it on the desk at the United Nations. Um, he, he was also kind of always red-faced whenever he got upset and would sweat a lot. <laughs> he was a big old fat sweating guy. Yeah. Um, it was also July, uh, and, air, oh, yeah. and air conditioning was not exactly prevalent in 1950s Moscow. Oh, no. Um, Nixon knew this. Um, and uh, so another thing is Nixon knew how easily upset Khrushchev got. So uh, after they were done talking, he's like, so you want to fight me now? <laughs> it was like the Nixon version of what, you mad, bro? You mad? <laughs> yeah. You mad, bro? You look mad. He actually said that. Really? Yeah, he actually's like, so uh, you, you mad, f- bro? No, he said, you want to fight me? Oh, I was kind of hoping he said, you mad, bro? And Khrushchev got like you could tell that he kind of got mad, but he's like, oh, of course, I don't want to fight you. But it's like he's like red as a fucking tomato. Kendall, who was quite literally lying in wait with a glass of Pepsi on the outlines, uh, quickly ran up in a, a Pepsi branded paper cup and uh, sprang and gave him <laughs> uh, gave Khrushchev the cup as soon as he saw him begin to sweat. Here, it's cold. <laughs> In a now legendary photo, you can see the leader of the Soviet Union happily chugging some Pepsi. 
Do you think uh, since Dixie was there, it was just a plain Dixie cup, and he was trying to find like a Pepsi cup? He's like, "Oh, no time!" and he like drew down on the oh, no, Pepsi it, logo. It is, it is purposely labeled Pepsi. Really? Yeah. Um, now the press went insane over the picture, as you could imagine. Uh, it was a bit of a PR coup, and then went with headlines like, "Quote: Khrushchev wants to be sociable." Now that makes no sense in 2019, but it was actually a play of the Pepsi slogan at the time: "Be sociable, have a Pepsi." Which leads me to believe that marketing back then was fucking stupid. It was. Like, that's not a slogan. Like, be sociable. Like, oh, so when I drink Coke, I'm actually alone in my apartment yeah. and depressed. You're crying in the corner. Yeah. And it's red, you commie. <laughs> oh, no. They're on to me. <laughs> yeah. McCarthy's- now you're blacklisted in your apartment alone drinking Coke. Uh, blacklisted from the podcast world? Yeah. <laughs> that's like the, the saddest thing to be blacklisted from. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my agent fired me and Nate won't do my production work anymore. Uh, but it turns out that pitcher kind of made Kendall's whole, whole entire goddamn career. Within a few years, he was CEO of Pepsi. And now he had to run a global soft drink empire. But he never forgot the untapped market of the Soviet Union. He also knew it was only a matter of time before Pepsi's arch nemesis, Coke, broke into the market. Those fucks. So he used what he had, which was connections. A lot of people in the Soviet Union remember Pepsi. I mean, their leader was drinking it. It's like the best viral they marketing you could have. They were giving it out for free. Yeah. Um, in 1972, uh, Pepsi got what they wanted. Not only would they be the first capitalist brand to ever break the Soviet market, they would get exclusive rights for 15 fucking years for the entire country of 241 million people. It definitely did not hurt Pepsi's chances because uh, Kendall's good friend Richard Nixon was now president of the United States. But, mm, yes, <laughs> I mean, credit where credit's due. That old no-pants relationship. Now, this came with a few problems, however. Normally, two business partners would simply sign a contract, money would be exchanged, and that would be that. Uh, Things were not so simple in the USSR. The Soviet ruble could not be converted into any other currency, which meant that the Soviet government paid Pepsi to build factories and whatnot. Um, It would be, in effect, totally useless the second Pepsi tried to pay its bills outside the Soviet Union. Um, And there's a few reasons for that. Um, Now, I'm not an economist. I consulted a few. This is the, the dumb rundown of why this is. Need it. Um, there are a few reasons for this. In capitalist countries, currency is a market. Um, the entire reason for its existence is to support the mechanism of free market. Um, the exchange of currencies for goods and services. Okay. Um, and Now, in the Soviet Union, there's technically no free market. This meant the currency was just a tool of centralized planning. The ruble could only be used in sanctioned government stores to buy sanctioned government goods or services at prices and qual- and quantities set by the government. Clear as mud. Yeah. So it's it, a lot better. It it makes sense, right? Yeah. A planned economy makes sense if it's planned right, which is the the big question mm, mark, yes. right? Yeah. Um, I'm not an economist. I am a socialist, and I will say, kind of makes more sense to have price controls, guys. Uh, maybe people will be able to afford to live in Washington State. Now, as Pepsi was not a Soviet citizen, as far as anybody was aware, uh, this meant they had absolutely no use for Soviet currency. They legally wouldn't even be able to buy it in Soviet shops. You had to be a Soviet citizen. Right. Uh, But that just means they have to go back to the old, old way of human transactions, bartering. Mm, Yes. 
Now, Pepsi had the technical know-how, the equipment, and the concentrated syrup that the USSR would need to pump out gallons of pop, so the Soviets had to pay in something they had plenty of in exchange, and that the one that Pepsi could in, in turn sell to the United States for money. Vodka! Okay. Uh, or more That's specifically, kinda... the exclusive ra- rights of Stolichnaya vodka to be sold outside the Soviet Union. Uh, this would be the first premium so the imported vodka. Be sold outside at the time? At the time. Uh, it was so before that, it was internal consumption only. Uh, it wasn't being exported. Um, the, from so a little bit of vodka history, uh, lines led by booze as we are currently drinking vodka. Uh, this recipe had been around since about 1905, I think. Oh, okay. Um, so and it's considered premium vodka. I definitely helped uh, Pepsi make some money off Stoli because I drank a fuckload of it. Really? <laughs> it's really cheap. Yeah, it's like 20 bucks. What's it called? Stolichnaya. I don't think I've seen it. You definitely have. Have it's, I? It's on the bottom shelf. Then I have it because I don't <laughs> shop for vodka. Uh, yeah, my, my house is always stocked. Yeah, I tend to buy Tito's or... That's too expensive. Yeah. I got the Tito's off brand. So drinking, it's called Round Rock. I started buying that. Yeah. It's so. like 15 bucks a handle. We got classy up in this bitch. Yeah, now, class. this deal was amazing for both sides. Soviets drank around 1 billion servings of Pepsi a year. Uh, as well as the first company, to, uh, so Pepsi would also be the first company to ever air a paid advertisement in so on Soviet television. Ooh. It started Michael Jackson. Really? Yeah, he's the Pepsi spokes guy at the time. Remember, he like kind of caught his hair on fire and shit. Too? Yeah. yeah. Um, while Americans drank hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Stoli. I mean, it's a good vodka for its price, and it's probably even cheaper back then. Also, again, the novelty. This is from the Soviet Union. Uh, we don't have yes. anything else from the Soviet Union. And I'm glad to say I helped Forbidden with that. Forbidden goods. I'm, I'm willing to believe that Pepsi still doesn't control the exclusive rights of Stoli, but if they do, uh, you're welcome for my service, Pepsi. Uh, Pepsi's operations in the USSR kept expanding and as the Soviets simply could get, cannot get enough of this shit. Um, again, it's a soft drink. It's full of fucking sugar. People probably got addicted to it. Yeah. Also novelty. Um, like, hey, look, it's American stuff. Hey, it's not water or <laughs> vodka. Yeah. Or try mixing. Fuck it. Uh, now, this uh, deal is for 15 years. So when that deal ran out 15 years later, they had to renegotiate. Uh, now, the Soviet Union was in the middle of a lot of changes, uh, this now being the area of Glasnost and Prestroika, which we talked about briefly in our Soviet-Afghan war series. Um, to make a long story short, I will say the Soviet markets were in the middle of some reforms, and the Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev wanted to expand the Pepsi operation from 20 factories to 50. Whoa. Um, Pepsi, for obvious reasons, was totally on board for this. The problem, of course, being was the deal was way bigger than their last one, equaling out to be around $4 billion. Uh, and there wasn't enough goddamn vodka in the world for that deal to last. Uh, because So the way the last deal worked is like, you'd get a quart of Pepsi, I get a quart of vodka. It was like a one for one swap. Okay. There's no way that any amount of vodka was going to pay this off. Um, also, there was another small problem. The Soviet Union was now in the middle of the Soviet Afghan war, which led to a huge fucking boycott against the few Soviet made products in America, especially Stoli. Ooh. So Pepsi's like, well, fuck, we're giving Pepsi away for free. And now we have all this goddamn vodka. <laughs> uh, so the Soviets looked around. And found something else they had a surplus of that they could barter for once more. And they found it. 
and a fleet of warships. How is that a fucking surplus? <laughs> How is that something you think is good to trade to a fucking soda company? Now, to be more specific, a frigate, a cruiser, a destroyer, and 17 goddamn submarines. <laughs> they, they can escort. They can go across the ocean. This deal made Pepsi the sixth largest submarine force on Earth. Yeah, that's a lot. And I looked it up. Now, for obvious reasons, it's hard to find the size of everybody's navy currently. But it is bigger currently than uh, England and Germany's uh, navies right now. Also Canada. I am still hoping that it is a Pepsi logo on every single one. And the submarine looks like a can of Pepsi. So if you were to guess... Who sailed this shit? (laughs) Who the fuck did all this? Who maintained it? Uh, the glorious enlisted men of the Pepsi Navy. Uh, no, they they had to charter a whole bunch of people and move it because Pepsi doesn't generally keep. Who's up. qualified to move this <laughs> at the time? We need a, he, a couple dozen like, submariners. The a team of the Navy that just said, "Oh fuck the Navy, I'm gonna go work with the good old Pepsi." I don't know what you would call their Navy. Uh, Pepsi Maritime Self Defense Force. Yes. <laughs> Their uniforms must have sucked. I assume they looked a lot like our Navy, where they look like... Um, I imagine the... They look like the good humor man in summer and the Waffen SS in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of hoping for a more of a Cracker Jack type of uniform. Yeah, like I said, the summer uniform. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same shit. But then mixed with a bunch of like Russian shit, too, because their naval shit looked kind of cool. You say what you will about the Soviet Union. They had some sick aesthetics. They really did. Um, So... Are we biased for that? No. No? I think everybody... It's like, you can accept that some people's uniforms look good if the people in the uniforms suck. That's true. Now, I will say the Soviet aesthetic in Afghanistan was, was severely lacking. Very true. They definitely let it slip. But, so if you were to guess how much Pepsi equaled out that they spent on each one of these submarines. <laughs> I don't even think I could make that guess. Uh, you said 14 submarines? 17. 17. Sorry for lowballing. <laughs> 17 submarines and how much Pepsi? How, so what do you fit in one? How like much what? how much do you think was the dollar equivalent? This is the math that Pepsi did, not me. I don't know how you make that math happen. Uh so how much do you think your truck cost? How much do I think it costs? Yeah. Eh, I'd say a good 16, 17. Okay. okay. So remember earlier how I said how much the American house costs? Yes. $14,000 back then, $150,000 today. Yes. So instead of buying that house today, you could buy a Soviet submarine for $150,000 because that's all they got them for. Really? Yes. Is that written down somewhere? Yes. Holy fuck. <laughs> that's insane. I was thinking that they like were like, how much Pepsi can we fit in it? And did the math off that. They also got a whole bunch of oil tankers from the Soviet Union. Uh, they... Hand received those Pepsi tankers. Yeah, it's full of Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. They hand received those to oil companies, uh, which uh, honestly are probably still on the They're seas today. Still in the fucking sea today. Yeah. Uh, now, this led uh, Kendall, the CEO of Pepsi, to joke to President uh, George H. W. Bush. Um, said to the George H. W. Bush National Security Advisor that they they are disarming these Soviets faster than the government was. That's a good joke. That's a pretty good joke. Uh, another fun tidbit uh, here: the the subs that Pepsi bought are currently more advanced than the subs that North Korea fields. 
Wow. Yeah. That's uh, insane. Because they're, they're still running about 1950s-era diesel Soviet-made submarines. These were newer than that. Wow. Now, they weren't nuclear-powered submarines. So they uh, uh, now what I'm curious of, what is very much lacking in every source I found from this, is what the submarines actually were. Because remember, this is at... This is right on the doorstep of when the Soviet Union collapsed. There's a very good chance some of those submarines carried nuclear weapons at some point. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they had submarine-mounted uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles and all sorts of other shit. None of them were, were powered by, nu- by, uh, by nuclear uh, reactors, though. At least not what anybody's admitting to. Where are these submarines? So Does Pepsi still fucking, like, have a fleet? In- now... Unfortunately for for Pepsi, I don't know. (laughs) Unfortunately for Nick and everybody else who longs for a Pepsi-based one-world government, they simply sold their new navy off for scrap. What a bunch of fucking idiots! (laughs) Honestly, I was picturing the old like you remember the old Call of Duty how it showed the map going like fucking one-sided and like German Nazi 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 going out, and then I was kind of picturing that, but Pepsi Pepsi just spreading. (laughs) Pepsi spreading. Let's play a game. What if they didn't? Now. Let's say for two years or so, it just becomes a fun fact that Pepsi owns a fleet of Russian warships. Right. A stupid meme that you see every once in a while, or a dumb subject that your favorite history podcast covers, wink, wink. Then- Is it us? Yeah, it's us. Okay. Uh, in 1992, PepsiCo makes its move. The Soviet Union falls, and everything's up for grabs, Lord of War style. Pepsi cuts a deal with a Russian oligarch to get his hands at nuclear weapons. Oh, fuck, Nicolas Cage. They cut a different deal with the struggling newly independent former Soviet republics to get jets, tanks, mercenaries too. Fuck it, let's bring Aaron, Eric Prince into this. Holy shit. Then, a week later without warning, Pepsi, la- seat. Pepsi launches Operation Mountain Dew. Oh. A nuclear strike Fuck. hits Atlanta, Georgia, centered on the Coca-Cola headquarters. I'm pulsating. <laughs> You're literally engorged. Keep going. After the rubble clears, the remnants of the Coca-Cola company regroup in Chattanooga. A meeting is held, and the board decides they, they must fight on. A draft notice is put out for all drinkers of Powerade, Dasani, and Minute Maid, while surge drinkers are held in reserve. Holy fuck. Coke decides to use the remaining assets to pr- purchase the Ukrainian Air Force and the Romanian Army. And is then when the Cola Wars turn to World War III. Oh, <laughs> this is all, I kind of liked it. <laughs> so now that you've had a tease of my next book, uh no uh but yeah uh pepsi scrapped everything and uh that's it but there actually was going to be another deal that fell through at the last minute because the soviet union collapsed that was going to involve double the amount of warships oh god that would have been so and in exchange russia was gonna get pizza hut (laughs) russian pizza hut would be so sad you wouldn't see all the kids after little league games going there fucking having a good time going to the fucking salad bar no you'd see like a piece of bread <laughs> with no seasoning. Especially like early Russian Federation right after the Soviet Union collapsed. Papa, Papa, what's for dinner? Sleep. Oh, <laughs> We go to pizza for this. <laughs> you just sit in a booth and just, <laughs> just lay down. <laughs> you no, know, you can't lay down. You just sleep you next can, to other You could come into the store and smell some ingredients. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was actually, that deal was going to be worth like double the amount. It was going to be like $10 billion. Um, and it's going to include like franchises of Pizza Hut, and it fell through because like when the Soviet Union fell apart, the way that uh, PepsiCo got around all that was like 
it was all like all aspects of the pizza were going to be made in the Soviet Union. So like the cheese, the, the bread, the meat, but it was going to all be sourced from different republics of the Soviet yeah. Union. So when it collapsed, we're like, well, fuck, now we got to make a deal with 18 different countries. Fuck this, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, nobody's going to give me a goddamn fleet of warships for this. I have a sweet story about Pepsi. It's, in my opinion, it's, I, I kind of like it. So my mom is super into Pepsi. And back when my family was actually a real family. Weird, so my mom was a Pepsi drinker too. Really? She won't touch anything else. Fuck. So my mom's going to have the same back as yours? Probably. Fuck. <laughs> well, at least she gets a sweet exoskeleton. <laughs> but anyway. Sorry, Mrs. Kazavi. <laughs> uh, don't worry. She doesn't listen to podcasts. She doesn't oh, know what your radio are. show. <laughs> yeah, yes. She thinks I'm on internet radio. So... She's really big into Pepsi, and she's been into Pepsi for yee since she was a kid. And uh, while my dad was in the Navy, he used to get Pepsi from every country he went to. So he got some from Iraq back in the day, way back in the day. Hmm. Like It was probably actually Kuwait Pepsi. More, more than likely, it was Kuwait Pepsi. He was in the Navy? Yeah. Isn't Kuwait landlocked? Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> Whatever, fine. He, he was in the Wait, Gulf no, War. Wait, no, it's not. Yeah, he was in the Gulf War or some shit. Actually, yeah, he was. He got some from France. He got some from all these places. One day I find all this Pepsi, fuck it, like a Pepsi storage in the closet. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, Pepsi. I'm not allowed to have soda. I'm going to drink some of this shit. Oh, bad idea. It's like, yeah, Pepsi isn't wine. No, it's not because I think I was 13 at the time. Mm-hmm. And he got this all back in like, let's see, Gulf War, 91. Oh, no. Yeah, really old shit. I did that with a Mountain Dew, but I bought it at a bodega down the street from my house, and it was separated. Like, the syrup had sunk and fallen to the bottom of it. Yeah. It tastes like vomit. Mine had mold layer on the top. Oh, God. And I drank it. <laughs> Fuzzy Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Something was living in it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, th- that's actually the reason why uh, Pepsi is the still number one drink in the Russian Federation and most Soviet republics. Uh, but that's our episode this week. Uh, don't blame me. You voted for it. Yeah, I'm getting sick and tired of this Soviet <laughs> shit. I need a real palate cleanser. Uh, so if you would like to be in on the voting for future episodes when, when we uh, when we put, put it up for a vote, you can donate to our Patreon. Uh, $1 gets you access to our voting. Early episodes, one bonus episode a month. Uh, $5 and above gets you access to everything. Uh, as well as a free copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar. Joe's Nudes as well. Uh, those are $10. Oh, uh, yeah. I have got to put some class on you that. You uh, if, if If you want to wear a shirt that pissed off a whole bunch of billionaires, <laughs> uh, you can buy it, and we will donate the money to Means TV. Or you can buy one of our other shirts, and we will keep it and spend it on booze. <laughs> uh, it's up to you. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes as our ratings are currently being bombed by a ton of right-wing fanatics. Uh, are they? Yes. I actually kind of like that. <laughs> so go ahead and bring us at least up to three stars. That'd be great. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody, and we will see you next week. Later.